Hey, how's it going, people out there in Heterotopia land? This is the neurons in Heterotopia appear to be normal. This is Charles Pitts, and what I'm going to do is DJ Ashik will be back to give you the word of the day. I mean, he will be back to give you what you just listened to, but what I'm going to do is, is um, I got... I got this thing I'm trying to work on. It's called the word of the day. And last time was groupthink. Everybody, path of least resistance and destroying things. But, but um, the, the new word, the new word for today is, I'm, is gonna, gonna be, uh, Structural, there'll be structural violence, and um, let me let me start with. It is a term commonly ascribed to Johann Gatton, which he introduced in the article "Violence, Peace, and Peace Research." It refers to a form of structural violence when at some structural our social institution may harm people by preventing them from getting their need their basic needs met institutionalized altruism ageism classism elitism nationalism racism and sexism are some examples of structural violence as proposed by Gantuak. According to uh, Gantuak, rather than conveying a physical image, structural violence is an, is an avoidable impairment of fundamental human needs. It is also avoidable. Structural violence is also a high cause of premature death and unnecessary disability because structural violence affects people differently in various social structures it is very closely linked to social injustice structural violence and also direct violence are said to be highly uh <laughs> i can't i don't know that word my english isn't very good inter interdependent uh, including family violence gender violence hate crimes racial violence police violence state violence terrorism and war so that's I don't know it's just something to think about as we go through our day-to-day uh, -day life um, I think what will happen next is is um, DJ Ashik is working on the uh, set list, but the other thing too is, is what I want to do is is I'm I'm I'm, I'm interested in uh, I guess I'm interested in some of these random countries that we also miss. I think many of them are going to be um, South America. Uh, let me see here. That's interesting. What I got is. Wow, Bahrain, B A. I mean, you're you're correct. It's not South America, but this is in this is Asia. Oh, okay. I'm. I need a map here. My English isn't very good. <laughs> um, here we go. Let's let's go to the set list.
that was DJ Charles talking about structural violence. Uh, look, folks, structural violence uh, is is very serious because oftentimes we're only taken by the uh, violence that is imminent. Uh, and that brings me to the uh, probably the most uh, infamous term uh, in modern parlance, which is that of terrorism, right? And, uh, you know, under uh, uh, W, that would be George W. Bush, right, the definition of terrorism was uh, retooled and reinvented, and... Uh, you know, it, it, it was turned into this uh, amorphous term that uh, essentially meant any kind of uh, armed resistance to state power. Uh, you know, with a particular lens focused on uh, 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 the uh, um, Muslim Muslims around the world. Right, and 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 so this is this was a re retooling of the language, is what it constituted, uh, because exactly because because uh, you know. If you look, if you actually look up uh, the, 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 the definition of terrorism, it constitutes imminent threat, right? Terror. Terror is fear of imminent attack. And uh, whereas uh, the, the, the postmodern definition of terrorism has become uh, something completely different, something, I mean, it, it's almost undefinable right now, uh, uh, which, is, which is exactly how they wanted it, so that they could call terrorists, uh, uh, call terrorism on anything that, 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 that contradicted the state. Um, and uh, and this was this was this is not accidental. This was this was intentional. And <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 sorry, but okay, mm -hmm. terrorism, Ku Klux Klan, hate groups, the police department, um, especially San Francisco. No, no, exactly. No, you make oh. a good point. In fact, there was an FBI, uh, well, FBI, not FBI, Department of Justice report that came out uh, uh, sometime last year. I don't remember exactly when. That that uh, clarified that that the the, the uh, fact that the majority of uh, real terrorist threats actually came from white power groups as opposed to uh, uh, Islamists, which was uh, the, the the running fair. My point is this: is that you're talking about uh, uh, structural violence, and uh, uh, the fact of the matter is that a lot of violence comes from places that are enshrined in uh, uh, in the the public mind as uh, respectable, hmm? or enshrined as legit. How does that saying go? Um, dead rodents in the window. <laughs> I don't know the saying, but uh, I like it. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's. I think it's I think it's Russian where it's it's saying no matter how well you dress up the dead rodents they're still dead rodents I, I don't know the same but I, I still like the same uh, I, I think I think I think it works you know uh, uh, you know the, the other side the other side is uh, you know Charles trying to drop some knowledge uh, about uh, uh, you know just 
different countries around the world. And I don't know about, uh, you know, I think it's important to to be be humble because there is a uh, there's a there's a, uh, a a lack of awareness I think amongst uh, uh, many people about different places outside of where you're at. And that doesn't just go for the UCPSA. That goes for uh, a lot of the world. Oh, the UCPSA is particularly deficient in this regard uh, in general. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, talking there's about... A, there's also another phenomenon like in certain countries where their infrastructure, their education systems have been um, destroyed. So what happens is is these other countries bring in books... And what happens is, is they know more about all of these other countries than the the own country that they're in. Is another that this is another phenomenon. Absolutely, absolutely. But I, I I would just say this. I would just say this. Uh, we assume nothing about the listeners, and that uh, uh, there's a piece of heterotopia that is educational. Part of the reason that we. Uh, spend so much time focusing on other parts of the world is because we don't think it gets enough uh, airplay and we don't think that uh, uh, there's enough coverage and uh, so like Bahrain in the Middle East you know uh, which uh, ultimately is a despotic despotic regime that uh, uh, anti-people regime that uh, is uh, of course is a UCPSA ally we're going to talk about Bahrain. Uh, but uh, uh, appreciate, you know, we're going to do a little bit more of this, just a little bit of geographical awareness, because I think a lot of times that's delighted over, and I think it's important. I think from a humble place, not from an arrogant place, but from a humble place, uh, it's important to um, to know the world that you're talking about. I think that there's a lot of people that uh, hear about, for example, what the fuck's going on in Iraq, or Afghanistan, but couldn't point it out on a on a globe, unless it was labeled in big letters. And that's uh, and that's 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 that that's not a condemnation of individuals. It's a condemnation of uh, political education. Our educational system. Yeah, our educational system. Our media. Uh, and media and um, and so it's it's uh, it's it's offered as a uh, as a as a public service, but uh, I want to I want to uh, step back from that for a minute. I want to step back from that. I want to let you know what you heard tonight, and uh, tonight uh, you know we had a, uh, a a nice eclectic mix of uh, music from uh, around the globe. And so we started with uh, Raz Mezenai, and uh, Raz Mezenai is uh, he's he's uh, uh, producing music here in the uh, UCPSA. Um, for those of you uh, new listeners, that's the United Capitalist Prison States of America, and uh, uh, he is a, uh, a a Jewish man that has taken a uh, intense interest in. Uh, in uh, counteracting uh, stereotypes across the board, stereotypes about uh, Jews, stereotypes about uh, uh, Muslims, stereotypes about uh, the Islamic world, and uh, and uh, and just uh, sort of almost like a pan-Semitic uh, radical artist. 
and uh, and a very brilliant uh, in my mind a, a experimental musician as well and uh, that was uh, Child Sleeps off of the Unspeakable and that was uh, uh, you know that, that kind of eerie track that we started out with we followed that with uh, uh Paris Maquis was the track. Uh, the band was Metal Urbane. This uh, was off of the uh, album from the 70s, Anarchy in Paris. Uh, uh, this is... Uh, f- so 1977 was the year, right? Uh, uh, this is like anarcho-punk. Uh, this is French anarcho-punk. Uh, and that, that's uh, dedicated to the fact that we just passed the anniversary of the uh, Charlie Hebdo Uh assassinations killings right and uh you know we, we wanted to pay homage to uh to the victims of that and uh, and also to challenge right to challenge uh all of the uh major narratives uh, regarding that, right? Because uh, uh, on both sides, you know, we challenge the uh, innocent victim narrative. <laughs> and then we also challenge the Islamist narrative um, because I don't think something that's offensive to you warrants a uh, death sentence. Uh, and uh, Charlie Hebdo was notorious. I mean, it was like the Mad Magazine of France. They were notorious for uh, pushing the limit and uh, talking shit. And we're free speechers here, so we support that. Uh, on the other hand, what we don't support is uh, uh, bigotry of any side, of any uh, color or flag. And uh, so we, we don't support... Uh, the idea that uh, 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 media outlet uh, produces something completely offensive to a huge population of the world, and then there's results, and then the response is, oh, we didn't do anything. No, that's not true either. You did some shit. You got called on it in a fucked up way. And that's what really happened. You know, again, we don't condone assassination for political disagreement or religious disagreement or anything of of this sort. But uh, let's let's not, you know, let's not mince words. You talk shit and you got called on it, straight up. Okay, moving along. Uh, there's been a lot of speaking of shit talk. There's been a lot of shit talk about North Korea in uh, the last few days and about the uh, alleged hydrogen bomb test which uh, it's difficult if impossible to find any reliable uh, you know accounts of or evidence of Uh, but it's been all over the uh, corporate media in the UCPSA and uh, so, you know, with condemnations and sanctions and sanctions, what the fuck are you sanctioning? The people in North Korea are starving. Their economy is fucked up. The fuck are you going to sanction? So anyway, in light of all this, we played a North Korean lullaby performed by uh, Sunjun Lee and uh, Eddie Reader from Scotland, and that was uh, a song called Stars Are Rising. After that, uh, we, we heard from Angelique Kijo, and that was uh, Congo Habanera. 
and that was a uh, you know this was this this kind of internationalism uh, that we like, and this was uh, uh, Africa paying tribute to Cuba, right? And uh, so we followed that with uh, Think of One and the Marrakesh uh, uh, Embalage Ensemble, and that was uh, Utuva. <coughs> Oh, where are you going? Where are you going? Followed that with a uh, historical piece. Uh, that was uh, Edgar Resinos, Revolution, uh, talking about the uh, revolutionary history of Guatemala. When we get into the news a little bit later, we're going to talk about... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, folks. Fighting a little something right now. Uh... We had a news a little bit later. We're going to talk about uh, uh, what's happening, uh, uh, current events in Guatemala this week. After that, we heard that this was a debut, probably the first radio show that this song has ever been played on. And it was uh, Justice for Mario Woods. <coughs> and it was by the uh, Justice for Mario Woods Coalition. Uh, but in reality, I mean, this is the uh, the attribution that uh, this is the attribution that was. Excuse me, folks. Like I said, I'm fighting something. Uh, given for this track, and uh, but it uh, in, in reality, the uh, performers that. Uh, that laid this track down are some brilliant uh, local performers and uh, uh, specifically we're talking about uh, Equipto, Selassie, Champnasa, Shiomara and it was produced by Hilo and uh, Mario Woods we're going to get into Mario Woods a little bit uh, in a minute also with the news uh, was a 26 year old man who was uh, controversially and unnecessarily killed by gunfire from San Francisco police officers on December 2nd of last year and uh, the Justice for Mario Woods coalition which uh, uh, the song is being attributed to has three demands the firing or resignation of San Francisco Police Department Chief Greg Sir the office uh, the officers who were involved in the shooting to be suspended without pay and charged with murder and an independent investigation into the case. So those are the demands. This is music backing up those demands. Uh, it kind of uh, uh, reminds me of the uh, introduction that we play every week for the show, which, uh, uh, you know, uh, clearly states, uh, do not make music about revolution make the revolution and let that inspire the music right mm -hmm. so straight up let's do that um so that 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 is uh that is that track we followed that up with uh Saul Williams explain my heart what a beautiful track Saul Williams uh was uh, uh one of the major voices in the uh spoken word Renaissance that took st that took uh, the world by s by storm in the uh, in the nineties, uh, sort of yet again reinventing poetry and uh, reintroducing poetry to 
the world uh, via pop culture. Uh, beautiful, beautiful track. Uh, we followed that with, uh, oh, uh, Saul Williams hails from the UCPSA as well. Uh, after that, we heard uh, Estoy Harto de Ver, which is a uh, anonymous uh, anonymous track, uh, protest song. De uh, Meiko, uh, there are people that, you know, speculated similar to Ricardo Arjona. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know who the artist was, but it's a beautiful, beautiful song, nevertheless, talking about the resistance in Oaxaca, amongst other places, and uh, fucking beautiful. So we thought we'd share that with you. Uh, the Following that, we heard uh, Bayview Sunset, and uh, that that song, uh, you know, honestly, I you know, I don't like to do it because it, it feels a little bit, uh, I don't know what you call it, uh, selfish or, or self-congratulatory or whatever, but that was uh, yours truly, DJ Ashik with former uh, Heterotopia host, Shinobi009, a.k.a. Red Turban. Hey. And uh, that was us. That was uh, me and uh, Red Turban together laying down a track. So it doesn't happen all the time, actually. I think this is probably the first time in many, many years that uh, we've played any of our uh, own material. We, we tend to like to promote other folk. But uh, that was what that was about. That was, that was me and... Uh, me and Red Turban laying it down, Bayview Sunset. Um, and uh, when we get into the news, uh, the local news, uh, you know, you'll maybe understand why I thought tonight was an appropriate time to play that song. Uh, following that, uh, we're in Jamaica, Dwayne Stevenson from a little cottage in Negril. Right now in uh, San Francisco, there's a lot of attention being paid to uh, the Mario Woods case with just cause because it was a horrific uh, killing by the state, by the uh, San Francisco Police Department. Uh, but there actually last year were many other victims of uh, San Francisco police murder and police violence. And uh, short ways from uh, uh, Negril is uh, Mo Bay, Jamaica, or uh, Montego Bay, Jamaica, uh, which is where the family of O'Shane Evans hails from, who is another victim of uh, San Francisco police murder. And uh, so that song was dedicated to O'Shane and his family, and we want to uh, let them know and uh, and let the world know that we do not, we are not ambulance chasers. We do not sit here and wait for the one killing that's caught on video. But we love and support the families of all victims of state violence. And we'll be talking a lot about state violence in the show tonight. Well, um, if we were ambulance chasers, um, our ambulance couldn't hold enough gas because um there's you know they're, they're saying every 28 hours someone dies and back in which is the statistic from uh from the operation uh, uh ghetto storm yeah uh report uh, of, uh produced by the malcolm x grassroots uh uh malcolm x grassroots committee and uh, project uh, I'm sorry and um, 
and uh, the uh, uh, and uh, well, and, and, and it's I actually been challenged since then with statistics that say that it's in fact more than that. Um, Malcolm X grassroots movement. I'm sorry again. I'm fighting a head cold. I, I apologize. Well, My I think one of the things too is is back where I'm from, the, the Lake County, Zion, Illinois. There was another shooting of someone. So, and I think that was after the the Mario Woods. So there's. You know, there's always somebody else that's passing away, and it's it's interesting how people of a certain race can do something, but then somebody else does it, and now they're dead. So, but is are we finished with the set list? No, we got a couple more. Right. We got a couple more. Uh, uh, one more, actually, not just a, not a couple more. We got one more. We got uh, uh, Yasmin Levy. Uh, and that was Nacien Alamo. And that was an interpretation of an old uh, old uh, Spanish gypsy song. And I love this. I love this song. This song is like an anthem for me. Uh, uh, the, the lyrics, uh, No tengo lugar, no tengo paisaje, yo me no tengo patria. I have no place, I have no path, I have no country. Con mis dedos hago fuego, con mi corazón te canto. La, las cuerdas de mi corazón llorar. With my fingers I have fire. With my heart I sing you. The chords of my heart weep. Wow, fuck yeah, wow. So uh, this is uh, this is a song dedica dedicated to uh, all all people who feel out of place, who feel they have no home, specifically to migrante folk. And here I'm thinking of uh, migrante folk coming from different places. I'm thinking of migrante folk coming from uh, Latin America, coming up to the UCPSA to try and uh, make some, you know, make something happen to take care of their families. I'm thinking of the uh, migrante folk coming from Syria and Afghanistan and Iraq and all the fucked up wars that we're having and uh, who are forced to relocate. Maybe not here, maybe in Europe. Uh, although some here in different places. Uh, there's this bastard Trump uh, and, and his cohort uh, talking about all this closed border shit and all this uh, nativist crap, um, which, you know, clearly is challenged by an actual native claim, first off. Uh, you know, here I'm thinking about uh, First Nations uh, people, you know, Native American folk. But in any case, in any case, it's dedicated to uh, uh, all migrante people. And uh, and and also and and, and also uh, dreamers and true believers and fighters and freedom fighters and people that uh, do not have a particular sense of nationalism or allegiance to the uh, capitalist power that they happen to reside within the midst of. And uh, and that was the set for tonight, folks. That was the uh, the music so far because there's more to come.
But uh, before we get into the news of you, my, our world, I want to turn it over to DJ Charles because he's got uh, some words for you. Um, there was a there was a protest slash in the Rago. Um, there's a ceremony for Ed Lee, the their mayor. So, what's what's the question, DJ Ashik? Uh, DJ Charles, you said you wanted to uh, rap with the people about some stuff before we broke into the news. What's on your mind? Well, um, there's several things. There was another sh- shooting in Zion, Illinois that's important because it's, I mean, you got a little itty-bitty town of 60,000 people, and in like eight months, two people have been killed by the police department. So um, I think we'll have more stories about that. But um, it's it's just very interesting with the Mario Woods incident slash uh, protest, the mayor being sworn in. Um, it's well, you want you want you want to uh, start off with that. You want to you want to uh, talk about that. So so uh, let's actually let's do this. Let's let's play a clip from that. Actually, we'll just play some. Uh, let's play a little soundbite from that, so you can hear what's going on. DJ Charles was actually there, at. Uh, so so what happens is 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 uh, you know we were talking about Mario Woods and we heard that new track that just came out, with uh, Equipto and Selassie and all them, and. Uh, there was a massive action yesterday morning at the inauguration of uh, so-called Mayor Ed Lee. It was disrupted. DJ Charles was actually assaulted by law enforcement. He's here. Uh, Assault, battered, injured. Yeah. And so uh, we'll, we'll go to a clip from that, and then we're going to talk with DJ Charles for a minute uh, about what happened, uh, what exactly happened yesterday. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Heterotopia on Mutiny. Radio.
Hey, hey, so that was sounds from City Hall uh, in San Francisco just yesterday where uh, hundreds of people uh, uh, made their way into uh, the rotunda, into City Hall, to protest the inauguration of so-called Mayor Ed Lee. Amongst those was uh, a co-host here of Heterotopia on Mutiny Radio, DJ Charles, who was actually uh, arrested and injured uh, as part of the process. So, DJ Charles, you want to you wanna, uh, lay it out for us, what yesterday was about, why y'all were out there, and, uh, and uh, what happened yesterday afternoon at San Francisco City Hall? Well, I, I feel everybody's going to have different reasons why they're out there exactly. But for me, part of it, you know, to me, Mario Woods is the hammer or the wrench to get the police from being so excessive and get them to slow down, get them to stop this murder spree that they're on. So Mario Woods is he's like the catalyst for change at this point. That's 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 my that's that's my my thing. Um and I you know I want I want justice for Mario Woods and I I, I wanna see it I wanna see the ten year plan because um I don't know it's we're 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 going back to nation building that conversation we had before whereas um we'll lay, we'll lay it down. Lay it down. Well I mean, they, they got three demands. If they get all of those demands, then what? You got all these people meeting, they get all their demands met, then what? I mean, I mean, our community is still struggling economically. Our, you know, the, I mean, we're, we still have structure, violence, and racism. So, I mean, and the, the land that many are, the majority of the blacks, are on in San Francisco is a, a super fun site. And so we got we got serious problems. So I, so I guess I'm just, I don't know, I guess I'm just very angry in that we need to look past, I mean, I mean, we need to address Mario Woods, but then we also need to see the community in all of its needs. So, that's the that's the bat phone, but um, but we'll 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 we'll, we'll call him back. But I j- um, well, that's not the bat phone. That's just a random uh, agreement of you of Booker T. <laughs> Booker T and the MGs Green Onions up here. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I guess we're we're going back to this this snippet right as of now. So, you know, Mayor Ed Lee he brings all his people into city hall and it's it, it always bothers me as to you know london breed said something about it's our house it's the people's house except for when the rich people come in they they they're, they're people with guns come and lock you out <coughs> they they lock you out and kick you out of your own home because somebody else they don't they just don't want you there they don't want the citizenry there i mean and, and it's it's, it's happened to me you know the rich white people come and the bo- the poor people I mean they surround you with their officers with guns and they kick you out of city hall and they lock the doors behind you so you actually hear the doors locked behind you 
So, um, so, so, so for the, so for the, for the, back to, let's, let's go back to Mario. Well, let me just, I want, I want to, I want to just like, like give a little background information for, for people that, uh, may not have caught this yet. You know, you know, remember, remember that there's people listening from, from, from different parts of the world. So Mario Woods was a young brother, uh, assassinated by the San Francisco police department quite publicly on December 2nd of last year. And uh, he 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 was uh, gunned down roughly around uh, uh, five o'clock in the evening on that day um, by San Francisco police officers, multiple police officers. People are bitching around about the number of cops, uh, somewhere between five and eight cops, uh, uh, gunned him down uh, on uh, uh, Third Street in the, the Bayview District of Bayview Hunters Point District of San Francisco. Uh, they allege he had a knife, but uh, 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 vi- video, video clearly video clearly shows that he was surrounded by officers with guns drawn, and that posed and that he posed no threat to. <laughs> I don't uh, know. What, the, the funny part any, to me, okay, the funny part to me is is that looks very similar to the other knife that was in the other police shooting. So I which mean, other police shooting? Which which one you referring to? I don't know. I f- I forget which one it was. Was it the I f- I can't pronounce his name. Um, there was the one about the bicycle or something. Amilcar Perez Lopez. Yeah. So another I mean, another victim. Uh, th- this was a uh, 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 taken victim of uh, of police murder in San Francisco. Okay. So does the police officer do the police have a set of knives in their trunk and then when they shoot someone they pull the, the they pull them out. They have like a set of steak knives that they pull out. Well, I, I tell you, I appreciate the the the, the uh, commentary. Uh, I'm not gonna go that far with it. Well, uh, I'm, I'm from I, Chicago. I, and I'm, well, well, I'm from my Chicago. Thing is I, I know wanna, they had them out there. Yeah, my, my my thing is I don't want to trivialize the cases. I think the analogy. I, mean, is, I think the important thing is not whether or not they have a set of steak knives to drop at the to at drop the at the scene. scene. I think the important thing is. The analogy between both cases is that in both cases, there was an allegation that the justification for the shooting had to do with uh, with the proposed existence of uh, the, the, the victim having... A knife, and in both cases, uh, the uh, it has been. It, it is quite clear that the uh, assassination was illegitimate. In the case of Amilcar Perez Lopez, two independent autopsies show he was shot in the fucking back. Yeah, and, and what the, did what are what did and, and, um, and, our good old and in the case of Mario chief, Woods? Mean, hold up, wait, 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 what did our good old police chief? Uh, say? The police chief said it was justified. He was coming at w- with he a was. Knife. I guess he was lunging at the police officers with a knife backwards. So he was lunging backwards towards them. Well, this is the kind of ludicrous shit that they expect people to swallow. This is like the Kenneth Harding thing, the Gumby shit, where the final rendition of the story is he shot himself. But most people don't even know the preliminary version of that ludicrous uh, uh, story, which was when they were trying to tell us that he wrapped his arm around his body to shoot at officers. And then they tried to, well, 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 moving away from officers, and they tried to tell us that that was uh, common. And they, uh, they even gave a physical demonstration with his him wrapping his right arm around the left side of his body to shoot at officers without you know failing to address one critical point which was that 
Kenneth Harding was left-handed. Oops. Yeah. Anyway, um, so this is the kind of absurdity that we are expected to digest by the local law enforcement when they justify their murderous behavior. There's there's another situation that has been continuously played in alternative media where they're, they're, they're saying that the police officers, okay, the police officers and our Greg Sir is he had his knife while he was surrounded or entrapped and he was coming towards him and the media and the video doesn't show that well so so look here's my thing and i'm not going to speculate on the facts of the case i'm not going to make any declarative statements i think there was about several the, there was several news medias that well, well, stated f- that. F- well i don't give a fuck what the other news media says because those several news medias are corporate news medias with agendas well if they're, so, if they're, if so, they're saying uh, if they're saying the guy didn't have his knife raised and they shot him I mean, I think that's very important. So I'm going to, I'm going to, it is very important, which is why I'm not going to make any declarative statements. What I'm going to say is. I'm just documenting what they said. So, so all I'm going to say is this. There was clear audio from all of the videos that said, oh, please just drop it over. I'm paraphrasing here, but for the love of God, just drop it. My interpretation of that, based on the tone, based on the, you know, the cadence, based on the, 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 what I heard in that video, seems, seems, I will make no declarative statement, seems to indicate to me that there may possibly have been a knife. What is clear to me, what is clear to me is that watching the footage, even if there was, and again, this is not determined yet, a box of even if there was the of a, a knife, car. even if there was a knife present, even if it was a knife brandished, it did not constitute a physical danger to any officer. I, I don't, and here's my thing. Am I am I am I open to the possibility that no knife existed? Yes, but I don't need to run that hard line of an argument because in my mind, whether or not there was a knife present, the murder was illegitimate. Well, and that's 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 the point I, that I think needs I, to be made. Yes, I, I guess in the video, the guy was he was somehow impaired and in duress. So, it's this isn't some MIA fighter with a knife. This is someone who's impaired, and sure. they, they surround him and they shoot him. Sure, but my my, my point is, and we have uh, we have uh, 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 Micah Holick here in the uh, studio, to uh, uh, as well. Welcome back, Micah Holick. Hey, thanks for having me. What's up, fellas? What's happening? Uh, not not much. Uh, just dropping in, uh, join the conversation. Mike Hollick, jump in here on this. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, I mean, to further your point that whether or not he has a knife, he doesn't constitute a threat. I mean, it's pretty obvious from the video. He's like, he might be holding something, but he is not making any aggressive movements. And the other, 
the other thing is when one cop shoots do all of them just start shooting i mean like one gunshot will stop a guy with a knife right you don't have to you don't have to riddle him with bullets and make sure there's no chance that he survives well there's that whole thing of support of fire and that's a 6725-a that we should look into um, 67-25A, for those who are not part of the uh, San Francisco milieu, uh, or, or those that don't spend uh, onerous amounts of time at City Hall, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, this, is a, this is the code for San Francisco's Sunshine Ordinance, which is our local uh, uh, Freedom of Information Act. Slash. Well, I think I think the I think the short answer is is give me my information (laughs) in 24 hours. That's that's the short. Slash Public Records Act. It's an immediate disclosure request. It gives 24 hours to uh, uh, any branch of city government to provide uh, documentation of pretty much anything that happened. Well, you know. no, it has it has to be a document. You can't generate a document, but you could. I mean, if you if you can, they they might skate it depending on. It might be easier to generate a document and give it to you than try to pull all the documents and give you something. But it's. I mean, but point being, it's just an information request. I think we need to go back to. I think we need to go back to the the, the, the real substantive conversation, which is the uh, police killing. Of of Mario Woods and the question, Charles, that you brought up about uh, uh, well that that Mike Hollick brought up and that you, you you were addressing about support fire. Yeah, so I mean that's that's an information request. What their policy and procedure is, and I I'm just I mean people people will people are saying and they're they're going on and on and on and they're like. You you shot him like a dog. You shot him like a dog. You shot him twenty times. When's the last time somebody shot a dog twenty times? Actually, over forty times. Okay, yeah. well, well, when's the last time somebody shot a dog twenty or forty times? Right, and um, I, I think I was out of town when um, the incident with uh, Mario Woods that you know the incident that ended his life uh, happened. So I was researching it later. Um, and one of the websites I looked at, uh, had a link to a video in the UK where there's this guy with a three foot machete swinging it around, you know, acting crazy with, you know, the type of weapon that could take your head off. And the officers over the course of about five minutes found a way to surround him, disarm him and arrest him alive. Un- uh, pretty much unharmed. I, I mean, well, I, I think about the, uh, the 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 Carolina shooter, the the the, the, the white kid that shot up the church. Right, arrested right. alive. Not only arrested, heavily a, armed. Not only arrested alive, but then like brought to court in a bulletproof vest because they were so invested in protecting his safety. Right. I mean, it's almost like malicious and direct intent. Um, I mean, from you know, I've 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 been to- I've heard somewhere like if this was in Hollywood or Beverly Hills, or Knob Hill, they would have they would have surrounded him. They would have done something, you know. So, I mean, and it's another information request for me, in that where is the riot gear? Where is it held at? Where is it stored during an officer's day? 
I mean, is it in the back of their vehicle? And they, I mean, if it was in the back of their vehicle, they could have just as easily pulled out their ride gear and then handled it like that. So, I mean, the blade is four inches, and it's probably legal to carry something with a blade of four inches. So That wouldn't be that, I mean, that wouldn't really be out of the ordinary. I mean, people have these folding knives, so that's, that's like, that's probably four or five inches. But I guess my main thing is, is, um... Well, I, I mean, I'm just if if it was if they had if it's an information request, where are the where is the riot gear and what's up with the batons? So they got they got three or four weapons on. I mean, they got two or three different weapons with them. And the first thing they seen, well, it, they, they they shoot it right and, because and, a shield and, and, and is and then, adequate against a knife. You know. I mean, but I I don't want to concede that yet because I would have to look at the 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 model numbers and different things like that. But I think for me, the other situation is is the police have they shoot and they miss fifty to eighty percent of the time. I so I'm I'm wondering what's happening. I'm I'm wondering what's happening, and it's. I guess my thing is is okay. You you you. Is that me, why they need to shoot me, forty me, times me, to me, make sure they I mean, hit twenty? I I I I don't know what to, I don't know why I don't know I don't know. But I'm just okay. They they're missing they're missing with the bean bags. And instead of killing them, they want another weapon, and then they're well, probably actually, and, and then and then they're gonna try to and then they're probably gonna miss forty to eighty percent of the time with that, and then after that, then what weapon are they gonna want to use? Well, let's talk about the beanbags for a minute because that's the one of the parts of the story: the beanbags and the so-called pepper spray. You know. This part of the story that I don't trust. A, there's nothing in the documented and nothing in the publicly available information that gives any indication outside of the police department's own assertion that there ever was any uh, pepper spray used in the encounter. Number one. Number two, it does appear that he may have been shot with something prior to being gunned down with the service weapons of the officers. That's somewhat visible, potentially, although not with, with, with alternative interpretations uh, uh, completely excluded. Uh, in, in, the, in the video footage that's been widely circulated. <coughs> but it begs the question of the quanta of the uh, 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 the 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 beanbag guns and that uh, um, and what I mean what I mean by that uh, sorry to use a technical term is the calibration is how much force was put into it because a full force beanbag round is enough to take out a person in a is enough to take out is enough well please please let me finish. Please let me finish. There's enough to take out a person in a, uh, uh, you know, uh, twice the size of Mario Woods, you know, to incapacitate them. Uh, one, 
And number two, it's not entirely clear that he wasn't incapacitated at the point where he was uh, lynched, executed. But go ahead. You were talking about a lot of variables, Charles. Um, I mean, there's a lot of variables that you could consider, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going back to the the shooting in front of Northern Station, our our um, mission state mission station. They missed like eighty percent of the time. So how? I mean, what credibility do they have? I mean, they they tried it, but they missed. You know, they like. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Stevie Wonder could have done it better. So your your critique is of the uh, maybe Stevie Wonder could have hit him with a beanbag better. Maybe. Maybe then the San Francisco Police Department, and then Stevie would Stevie Wonder would at least be like, I I incapacitated him with the with the beanbags and now he's alive, but instead we got the San Francisco Police Department. You know I I, I don't mean to me I don't even want to go there. To me the point the the fundamental point is that it's a uh, it, it, it is that it's a it's an it's a lynching it's an execution i mean i do okay so i do appreciate uh the uh the the reference to uh cuz this was um this was uh much earlier in the year this was actually the uh the beginning this was almost actually almost exactly uh a year ago, a year ago. yeah this was almost exactly a year ago today um and uh i was in that meeting they missed they missed like 80 percent of the time like 81 percent of the time yeah yeah no it was uh it, no it was ridiculous well, well what was uh that was uh matthew hoffman was his name i was trying to remember his name his name was matthew hoffman was the name of the victim? Um, yeah, no, they 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 missed. Uh, I don't think it was quite eighty percent, but it <laughs> was it was, okay. it was it was okay, close seventy nine percent. It was close to that, and um, uh, you know, I, I think that the the, the 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 well, the more salient point there for me, the more salient point for me there was that in that case, the stray bullets were flying at a uh, a uncordoned off public street, which means the uh, you want to talk about percentages uh you know uh micaholics real good with percentages what is the fucking percentage chance that they had if if the if the officers missed with roughly 70% of their rounds and you had a public uh street with uh, hundreds of people walking uh, walking uh, across it, what 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 is the percentage? What is the likelihood? I mean, they they straight up won the lottery that night. How did they not kill that's someone an, else? That's that's extreme, that, that's that's I mean, that's an extreme you know, amount of variables as to what time of day it is and what it was like five o'clock in the evening, like the prime time, the probably the highest trafficked time on that street of the entire okay, day. But, but remember that that is that is Valencia Street. And it's it's like this slowly halfway seventy five percent gentrified city. So it's sort of 
it's it's a strange street so it's it's busy it's it's a busy street so i mean it, it's I mean, not a place where a, you want stray bullets flying around well i'm just saying like if you're if you're in the woods or you're on the beachfront or something, you might be able to shoot into the water or something. But, the, you know, this is an area where, you know, peop- you can go get your coffee, you can get your bike fixed, you can get some furniture, you can go to the um, thrift store. I mean, you can go to the um, the foo-foo fancy sex toy lube education store, the good vibrations so this is like rain finally here in san francisco which is a good thing and uh so i didn't want to bring my computer in you know because it looked like it might rain and it's still the air is super heavy and it may burst out at any minute so i was like well do i really want to drag my computer across town in the rain and slugs yeah screw that i brought some cds um Mainly also because um, I'm going to be playing um, stuff off of a few particular CDs um, because today's show is all about Gearhead Records. Um, I just went to the 15th anniversary Gearhead Records show in Sacramento, of all places, um, this past weekend and had a great time. Um, the Merry Widows performed and uh, White Barons, um, my dear friend Eva von Blut. <laughs> uh, on lead vocals and she is uh, a force of nature and if you haven't seen either the Merry Widows and I say the T-H-E-E Merry Widows or um, the White Barons I suggest you do so because they're powerhouse units and they really kick ass um, and great, great bands, great people in the bands and uh it was a good time the gearhead records celebration is kind of a a relaunch actually as much as it is a celebration of the history of uh, gearhead and uh, if i pause for a second it's only because i'm putting in a cd while i'm doing this because uh, i don't have a team of assistants like most radio people do it's just little old me by myself and the uh, uh what do you call it? The um, CD player is a little bit off to the side, so I kind of have to, you know, adjust as I go. So you forgive me if I have to uh, occasionally pause for a quick sec while I am chatting with you guys. So, um, as I said, Gearhead Records. Um, so, uh, speaking of Gearhead Records, the uh, person in charge, the Rev as I like to call her, Reverend Michelle Honnold. I'm not quite sure I have her last name pronounced correctly. But nonetheless, <coughs> uh, she will be uh, joining us around the 4.30 hour, as is typical, with an Ace of Space Radio interview session. So stick around for that, and we'll get all the inside info on how Gearhead Records began and everything there is to know about Gearhead and where Gearhead is going to be going. Um, there's a lot of stuff involved, um, you know, because not only is it just, it's not just a music or record label, it is a kind of a lifestyle brand. Um, they have merchandise, uh, more so than the usual, um, amount of stuff, a lot of cool designs. Um, and there is a magazine, Gearhead Magazine, which is an amazing magazine. And somewhere down the line, there'll be a TV program, which... 
I am hoping to be part of in some way, shape, or form, probably as a uh, producer and videographer. And who knows what else might turn up on that one. So that's something that's kind of in the works, and we'll talk about that and see, you know, what the prognosis is and whatever else, um, you know, um, it's, it's an all encompassing kind of a thing. And, but it, it, you know, it centers around, you know, great rock and roll, uh, cool clothes and hot rods and beautiful women, you know, in all their various shapes and sizes, uh, you know, so all of that ties into the, uh, kind of the lifestyle brand of gearhead. And, uh, so we'll talk about all of that stuff. <clears throat> so this, um, I'm going to play some music for you from the, uh, and they had, there's a lot of great bands, several of whom have been on reality check TV, my TV program. Uh, most of you who have been following the show know about reality check TV, but in case you don't, Go to realitychecktv.com, for Christ's sake, you know. Just go, go look it up, Reality Check TV. You know, you have this amazing thing with search engines. You can go on, like, Google and whatever else, and you can type in Reality Check TV. And amazingly enough, realitychecktv.com will pop right up. Um, we also have a, a Facebook page, facebook.com slash realitychecktv. And those are both good places to go for all the latest info. Um postings, uh, latest episodes, and so on, and info about Ace Space Radio and other related projects that all tie in to the Reality Check TV universe. Um, but we're not as all-encompassing as Gearhead because we don't have a clothing line and we don't have all this other stuff. But it's still, you know, they do kind of dovetail together because we celebrate a lot of the same things. And so I hope you do check that out. I hope you check out uh, Gearhead. I think it's GearheadHQ.com. But we'll get into all that when Michelle calls in in a little while. So in the meantime, I'm going to play some music. And there are quite a few bands, like I said, um, who have been on the show. Uh, here's the Wild Hearts. We'll lead off with the Wild Hearts. Uh, love Ginger Wildheart. He's a he's a mad genius, but an amazing songwriter and performer. And uh, the Wild Hearts are just a kick-ass band who don't really get enough recognition here in the United States. They're more of a European, English kind of a thing. Um, but that doesn't mean they're any good. They're not any good, I should say. And uh, some other bands on here that have been on, um, and some other bands that I admire, uh, the Helicopters are on here. Um, uh, American Heartbreak with my friend Billy Rowe from Jet Boy, who has been on the show in the past. So um, there's uh, all those bands. Um, some bands that I really like that I've never interviewed but are on here are like uh, Demons. I love the Demons. Uh, the Hives are on here. And the Dragons are all really good bands. Riverboat Gamblers. So there's a lot of cool bands. And New Bomb Turks is another one. Turbo ACs. All great bands who uh, have put out music on uh on gearhead so we'll play some of that stuff for you and then uh in just a little while we'll have the rev herself tell us all about you know where gearhead is going and what's going to be happening so uh, this is from the gearhead records thing maker compilation uh this song is uh by the wild hearts uh, it's called putting it on i believe uh, my vision is going god um and we'll play a few tracks like i said off the record and uh get a feel for the kinds of bands that uh gearhead likes to uh you know uh promote and uh, so here's the wild hearts you're listening to aces space radio on mutiny radio dot fm
All right, we're back. Ace of Space on MutinyRadio.fm. And that was a triple dip from the Thingmaker Gearhead Records compilation. We let off with the Wild Hearts. Uh, and then we hit the Dragons, and we finished up with the Hives. I'm going to keep on playing some tunes from this particular compilation, and who knows what else. Um, I've got a couple other records in my bag uh, from the Gearhead Records uh, people. Um, specifically the lovely Michelle, Reverend Michelle, who will be calling in just a little bit to give us a little insight on Gearhead Records. So please uh, don't go anywhere and uh, strap yourselves in. Crack a cold one if you can. Um, if you're at work, then ha- then uh, try not to work too hard and uh, enjoy. There's a, you know, like I said earlier, there's a lot of great bands on this compilation and I'm just, you know, digging through some, you know, skimming the surface as it were. So check this out. Uh, this is one by the Demons, and we'll probably let's see, we'll bust into um, what's after that? Lazy Cowgirls. Uh, looks like there's Turbulent Seas and Helicopters. So we'll do a few of those, and then hopefully Miss Michelle will be calling in in just a little bit. So uh, get ready, to rock! Here we go. More Gearhead Records compilation bands. This is Demons. You're listening to Ace of Space on MutinyRadio.fm.
Michelle. Oh, hey. Hey, you're with me. The Reverend. Yeah, I'm okay. 
I could barely hear you. The Reverend Michelle. How do you pronounce your last name properly, dear? Sorry? How do you pronounce your last name properly? It's Honald. Honald. Okay, I knew yeah, it was somewhere Honald, in like, there. Like H-O-W, only it's H-A-U. Got it. My father is Austrian. Austrian? Uh, that's an Austrian name. I see. All right, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Reverend Michelle here is the, is the uh, preeminent purveyor of uh, gearhead music. <laughs> uh, and I, I actually I have to ask you, where does the reverend come from? How did you get reverend? I am actually um, a licensed minister. Um, after, uh, after I filed bankruptcy with gearhead uh, back in 2009, I was in a pretty bad space, just emotionally and physically and spiritually and mentally, and I just decided I needed to do something that was just for me, and, um, oops, my cell phone's going off, <laughs> and I just, I started taking classes, um, just, you know, to meditate, to find a place of calmness, and, <laughs> and then I took another class, and another class, and one thing led to another, and three years down the road, I, um, I graduated from the Church of Divine Man with um, a license to be a, a licensed minister. So, um, so you can actually perform uh, <laughs> ceremonial functions like marriages and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've done marriages. It's, it's really fun. It's, <laughs> it's super cool, actually. Yeah, but you don't, re you know, kind of, uh, you don't really remind me of a traditional, okay, I'm sorry, you don't remind me of a traditional reverend, though, you know, I, when I think no, reverend, I think Reverend Jesse Jackson, I think reverend, you know what I mean? I think those kind of guys. I know, and you know, in the whole world of punk rock, like, it's supposed to be separation of church and state, you know, it's yeah. very, it, it, spirituality is really looked down on in, in the <laughs> world of punk rock music, and, yeah. you know, growing up, and working at Maximum Rock and Roll, it's like, boy, you, you don't admit that you've got a spiritual side because people will kind of think you're a freak, but, you know, <laughs> part of being... Part of being a freak, being right? A rocker is, <laughs> you got to follow your truth. And That's true. And this is part of my truth, and, yeah, I'm covered with tattoos, and I listen to punk rock music, and, you know, I really believe in each person shining their own light in whatever way that is, and that that's the minister side of me coming out. Excellent. Well, that's cool. You know, I'm, I'm glad you, you know, you found something that works for you. And uh, yeah. also, you, you know, now you have the added benefit of, hey, you want to get hitched? I'm your girl. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, I could I perform punk rock, rock, punk rock weddings. I right. Mean, how fun would that be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Well, we'll have to keep that in mind uh, for some some time in the future. If anybody's looking for a cool minister, yep, exactly. you're you're and the f you're the non-denominational, and I, you know, male, female, straight, gay, you know, whatever. Whatever I'm floats not, your boat, you know, and that's I a good thing, you know. Be so this this church thing that you that you got your your philosophy from, you mentioned it, but I remember what was it. Uh, the Church of Divine Man. It's the seminary for the Berkeley Psychic Institute, ah. which was started in Berkeley. Oh, okay. There you go. And it's now based up here in Sacramento as well. I see. Oh, I see. So both you and them booked to Sacramento. Is that it? Yes. <laughs> they ran, did they run you out of town? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit slower pace up here. Yeah. 
Well, uh, speaking of uh, you know being in Sacramento, I mean, you move, you were in the Bay Area for some time, but now you're yeah. you've been in Sacramento yeah. for how long? Been up there for I a while. I moved huh? to the Bay Area in 1990. Well, mm -hmm. actually, I originally moved there in 1988. Mm -hmm. um, As did I. And um, I hold. Uh, the record of being the uh, shortest tenant at the Maximum Rock and Roll House one day. <laughs> one whole day. <laughs> I moved in, and I moved back out again. <laughs> um, and then um, I moved back to Oregon, and then in 1990, I, m I moved completely to the Bay Area, to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, I was living in the Mission at uh, 26 and South Van Ness. Ah, not far, not far from the station here. Street, which isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I lived there until 1997, mm -hmm. um, and by that time I was married, um, and my uh, husband at the time was just getting out of recovery, and I decided I pretty much had, I was done with the Bay Area, it was just, it was just too intense, and mm -hmm. I just needed something a little bit calmer, and uh, so, and I needed something warmer. I lived out by the ocean, and it was, I was cold all the time. Yeah. And so I moved to the Sacramento Valley, hot and sunny and a little bit slower pace of living and cheaper, uh -huh. and um, got divorced, and I've been here ever since. Yeah. Running the Gearhead Empire. <laughs> Running the Gearhead Empire, exactly. Yeah, that was in 2000. So the same year I got divorced, I started Gearhead. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's run that timeline of Gearhead. So we just celebrated the 15th anniversary. You started Gearhead yeah. in two 2000. Uh, what was the impetus for starting the label? I'm sorry, I still can't, I can't okay. hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. What was the impetus? What gave you the inspiration to start Gearhead? Well, um, I was working at Mordam, the punk rock distribution company. Oh, yeah, I remember And that. Um, working with lots of record labels and mm -hmm. stores and going to shows. And um, I was also writing for Maximum Rock and Roll, and I right. was DJing for them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's tons of great music coming out at that point. That was right when all, like the, the, the epitome of all the, the Bay Area garage punk stuff was starting to explode. So like yeah. Supercharger and Mummies. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, all those bands were just, every weekend, somebody cool was playing somewhere. Right. Um, and my partner, uh, well, who became my partner, Mike Lavella, he had started Gearhead Magazine in 1993. We both were writing for Maximum Rock and Roll, so uh -huh. we knew each other, we were friends, we'd, you know, go to shows and stuff, and I was, um, when the first issue of Gearhead Magazine came out, he brought it to me at Rackless Records, where uh -huh. I put it on consignment, and um, we sold out right away, so I called him up and I said, hey, bring some more copies in, and he brought some more in, and, and since then, you know, we just had worked together on uh, that you know, that sort of level. Um, I, when I got hired at Mordam, I talked the, um, the group into bringing Gearhead Magazine in for distribution. Nice. So I continued to work with Gearhead Magazine, selling it to stores and to distributors. Um, and that whole time that we, uh, you know, were working together in that capacity, Mike was always talking about starting a record label. Of course, the magazine always came with a seven inch at that point in time. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, you know, a really cool magazine, and then you'd get this great seven-inch single. So it was it was a really neat, unique thing. Yeah. But he was always talking about expanding it and actually creating a record label. And one day I just <coughs> said to him, I'm like, you know, dude, 
you're never going to be able to start a record label without somebody like me. <laughs> I knew distribution, I knew sales, and um, he was pretty upset and pretty offended, and, <laughs> you know, walked away in a huff for a few days, and uh -huh. a couple days later, he called me up and he said, you know what, I've been thinking about it, you're right, <laughs> I need somebody like you, do you want to be partners? And I said, yes, and nice. that was how Gearhead Records started. And, uh, you know, over the course of time, you have had some incredible artists who kind yeah. of got their launching point from, from Gearhead. Uh, and I ran down some of the names that, you know, uh, stick out, like the Hives in particular. I are can't hear you. Okay. I was, uh, as I was saying, is I was going down, a lot of bands got their, kind of got their launching point from Gearhead. Mm-hmm. And one of the bands that really stands out that became pretty big is the hives so talk about that yeah that that was just crazy in fact i, I just i just recently wrote a blog uh post on my website about that whole experience uh -huh. if anybody you know wants to read it yeah i, I actually wrote it out um so M mike my partner he had come back from sweden they had just had the um the first gear fest uh -huh. which was in Stockholm, uh -huh. um, and that was put on by a bunch of uh, Gearhead fans um, in Sweden, and they, it was a three-day oh, cool. event, and there was all these great underground garage punk bands that mm -hmm. played, so the Demons played, uh, the nice. Hives played, Menson played, um, uh, the Strollers, Helicopters, Nomads, a bunch of great bands. Right. Anyway, Mike came home with a demo tape from the Hives just raving about this band, um, and he played it for me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so good. It's really, really just amazing. Um, and they had a record out on Burning Heart Records mm -hmm. in Sweden at that point, but they had no U.S. presence. So right. um, I called up, well, I emailed Burning Heart, um, the owner, Peter, and I said, hey, we really love this band, the Hives, and we want to know if we can license this record to put it out in the U.S. And so after a little bit of negotiations, we worked it all out and uh, launched the first two Hives records, so the Hate to Say I Told You So 7-inch nice. and the AKA Idiot 12-inch EP. Nice. And I had wanted to do them as one record, but the band um, was pretty insistent about them being two separate releases. So I just went ahead and did what they wanted, even though it didn't really make that much sense for the marketplace. Right. In the U.S., you know, people want, at that point, they wanted full-length records. They didn't yeah. really want singles. Yeah. yeah. How it's changed. So that record, those two records came out back-to-back. -back, yeah. Um, <laughs> and we sold, like, 300 copies of each record. And it was just, you know, it was a little frustrating. It's like, oh, my God, this is the best band we've ever heard. Like, you know, I can't believe that's all we sold. Well, um, shortly after our records came out... Um, Epitaph had uh, bought Burning Heart, and they released The Hive's second full-length, Benny Vitti Vicious, in the U.S., and uh. they had sold about 1,500 copies, and, you know, there was a little bit of a, a buzz about them, mm -hmm. and so Epitaph arranged for them to come over on tour, and I got the boys a van and, um, you know, got them set up with the back line, and off they went on tour but they kicked the tour off in san francisco mm -hmm. um at the great american music hall right and both mike and i were 
were there, you know, kind of nervous, like, how are people going to respond to these guys? Like, it's, you know, it's kinda, it was pretty intense music at that point. Oh, yeah. He was really doing anything quite that punk rock. No. Um, but the crowd just went crazy. People just went wild. And anybody that's seen the Hives, of course, knows they put on an unbelievable They're show. incredible. Uh, one yeah. of the, yeah, and, high energy like you wouldn't believe. from there, it was like, you know, dropping a match in kerosene. They just exploded. They sure did. And, well, you know, you know the story from there on out. Sure. I saw them at Slim's and they just blew the doors off the joint. Yeah, uh, so I, I uh, yeah, when I finally saw them, the buzz was incredible about the highs. When I finally saw them at Slim's, they just, you know, incendiary is a too, too weak a word. Yeah, so, so I, it's, I have to agree. Yeah. They're, I mean, they are a band that they mastered, they mastered the, the, the stage, their stage presence. And it, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was an act, but it was not an act. Like, it was they were they were really just insanely intensely on fire yeah every single night yeah and they deserve every single bit of it, success that they got it got it was pretty crazy you know we put out us their their debut full-length record was called barely legal right um and so we released that after their second full-length mm -hmm. you know had come out it was right about the same time mm -hmm. um and uh, then, of course, you know, there was a bidding war for them, and Warner Brothers signed them. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and then, you know, that was it. They were off and running. And yeah. So it was, it was a really amazing experience, and it was one that was, it was like riding a rocket. You yeah. Know? It just took off, and all you do is just hang on and go. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that, that's got to be amazing, though, when you find something, a little diamond in the rough, and next thing you know, uh, it, just, it just explodes. Uh. I have to tell you, I was really surprised. I mean, I knew they were good. Yeah. And I expected people would really like them. Yeah. I didn't, I, I never saw them breaking as big as they did. Right. That, that took me by surprise. Yeah. In fact, that whole time period where all these bands that were kind of, you know, raw and gritty and garagey and snotty, yeah. like the White Stripes, sure. you know, all these bands that I saw all the time, you know, playing in tiny little clubs in front of, you know, 20 people. Right. I didn't expect any of those bands to do what they did. Mm. That, that took me by surprise. Well... You were uh, one of the people that helped uh, light the match to, to get them yeah. to, you know, so congratulations yeah, for that. That was really the, um, the beginning of the whole Swedish craze that yeah. happened for a couple of years. Um, oh, yeah. In, well, so many great rock bands. I mean, the Swedes love their rock and roll. I mean, they just do. I don't know what I'm it... Sorry, say it again. I, I, I said the Swedes really love their rock and roll. Yeah. They just oh, do. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, from what I understand, I've never been to Sweden, yeah. but there's, it, it, in the winter, there's nothing else to do but stay in your, you know, in your garage or your house or whatever and get drunk and play music. Right. And, and so, yeah, they turn out some amazing bands. Oh, golly, yeah. I mean, there's so many great bands from, from all over of the uh, Scandinavian countries. There's quite a few great yep. bands, so... Yeah, you know. Norway, sure. Finland, um, and we worked with, you know, bands from all of those countries. Yeah. We were very, 
very lucky to, to do that. Yeah, well, you guys, uh, you know, were on the, uh, on the case first and foremost, so no wonder. So, uh, yeah, I see some of the other bands that you mentioned. I see the Demons on here. And uh, yeah, there's quite yeah, a few. We did four records with the Demons. They're fantastic. They toured the U.S. Uh, four times, I think. Yeah. Um, one of those times, they got all their equipment stolen while we were in San Francisco. Yeah. I remember that. That was, do you remember that? Yeah, that was, well, there was, yeah, their van got broken into or whatever. Or did the van itself get stolen? I forget exactly. Um, somebody broke into the van right. and stole all their equipment. Right. Um, and thank God there, um, there's a fund that is run by uh, um, the Grammys. It's set up for musicians. Uh-huh. And... Um, I contacted the fund and I explained, you know, the people running the fund, and I explained what had happened, that this band was over on tour from Sweden and literally everything got stolen. Um, and they were so amazing, they, they gave us the money to replace all their equipment and we took the band to Guitar Center mm. and let, in San Francisco, the one right there on Haight Street, I don't yeah. know if it's there still. Well, that's not um, Guitar Center. And let them, you know, Guitar Center just told them to choose whatever they needed. Yes. And this fund, um, it's called uh, Music Cares. Oh, Music Cares, yeah. Fund is. Mm -hmm. Basically paid the bill to, to get the, the band back on the road. It was amazing. They well, even replaced their camera. Nice. Well, good yeah. for you that you even knew to use that resource. I mean, nobody else, I yeah, think, would think was, of it. that was really lucky. Kathy from Lookout Records had... Mm -hmm. um, had told me about this fund and she gave me the phone number and you know that was the neat thing about being you know in the bay area we had very close relationships with all of these other record labels and bands and everybody was super helpful and yeah. really nice and supportive and you know just worked together to help each other it was, it was a real different world you know and yeah I don't know that that would happen today but I'd like to think it would but yeah I, I agree and I yeah I'm, I'm unsure but you know there's a lot of people in in the local music scene who do you know still have that same ethos but uh, it's yeah. it's a lot more difficult now because the the landscape has changed so much in the business so yeah that's yeah. exactly it. It's a totally different world now. Yeah, true story. So, uh, yeah, some of the other bands that I that I really love on here, Helicopters, we mentioned, uh, Lazy Cowgirls, I just played that. Uh, yeah. The Dragons, I played that a little earlier. Um, I mentioned yeah. American Heartbreak, New Bomb Turks, Turbo ACs, a lot of fucking great bands. Oh, and Dukes of Hamburg, another great band. So you Dukes you of Hamburg, spin-off from The Mummies. Right. Yep, that, they, they were really fun to work with. Yeah, and I do like The Mummies. They just played at that Burger Records thing over here. Yeah, I'm so bummed I missed that. Oh, you did. Yeah, it was great. You should have been. But we can we can talk about another record label another time. Yeah. So uh, now we got a little bit of the history of Gearhead and some of the some of the uh, classic bands that you've had on the label over the years. Where are we going now with Gearhead? Well, um, as I mentioned, you know, Gearhead, I did have to file bankruptcy. Things got pretty bad for a while, yeah. and um, for the last five years, I was really just kind of treading water, trying to decide. <laughs> should I stay or should I go? Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's that cliche. Do I hang, up, <laughs> hang it all up and, and close the door, or do I give it another shot? And um, so many people just kept writing me and, 
you know, continued. I was just selling stuff on eBay and, mm. you know, kind of eking out a living. And there's just so much support out there and so much enthusiasm. I started kind of toying with the idea of cranking things back up again that I thought, well, you know, why not? I'll give it another shot. What do I have to lose? You right. Know, the worst has already happened. So, yeah. You know. Um, and so um, in May of 2014, I put out uh, the brand new Lords of Altamont record, which such an amazing record. It's, um, it's a, a celebration of the music that was played at Altamont in 1969, right. I think was the date. It, you're right. Um, and so it's, it's just it's the Lords of Altamont playing all these classic great rock and roll songs mm -hmm. of their own interpretations. And that record, it sold out instantly. It's in its second pressing now. Nice. Um, and the response was just so incredible. People were so excited. And so um, the White Barons approached me about putting out their new record nice. um, called uh, um, Electric Revenge. And it's just this kick-ass rock and it roll. It really is good. This, this record is so suited to uh, Eva's vocals. It's, it's way more 70s than their first one, which was a lot more punk rock. Yeah. Um, and so um, I said, okay, let's do it. And so we put out that record, and that went really well. And um, so I'm working on um, getting the magazine relaunched right now. That's my, my big goal. The, the last issue came out in 2009. Right. So, um, Yes, we're still waiting for that one, which I, I have a little thing in. What's that? I said we're still waiting for that. For that. Uh, yep. Yep. It's it's way more work than I thought. It's way harder to put a magazine out than it is a record. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm working on that. My goal is to have it out by the end of November in time for the Christmas season. Perfect. Um, and I am going to be doing a Kickstarter campaign to fund the printing of it. That's really the biggest issue that's holding me back right now is just getting the money together of course. to print it. Oh, cool. Um, and so that's, that's my, my, my last big project for this year. Mm -hmm. And then um, for 2016, I've got um, hopefully another new issue of the magazine will come out, right. as well as um, a Gearhead compilation. So featuring some, you know, old bands I've worked with as well as new material. Good. I just signed the Merry Widows. Ah, yes. The label. So we'll be working on a new Merry Widows record. Cool. Um, and then, of course, you know, I got the clothing line up and running 